We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. We also got Sean Hyken on the line, fresh from covering the Summer Bulls in Vegas. Jason, there's a few news items going on this week uh, in the Bulls world. Uh, yeah, today uh, the Bulls announced their preseason schedule. We're already at, uh, at schedule time here. A lot of fun if we uh, look at that. Monday, October 7th, the first preseason game against the Bucks are a little rival a couple hours north and Giannis and all that stuff and uh the Lopez brothers uh a nice little see Robin Lopez again then we got Zion Williamson October 9th against the Pelicans at Indiana uh the third of uh, the 11th at uh the defending champion Toronto Raptors minus Kawhi Leonard October 13th and then we end the preseason Thursday October 17th with a fun little matchup against the Atlanta Hawks uh, I think that means the schedule is uh, I think or the the regular season schedule I think is going to start a little later this season than what they did last year. I'm not really sure why. Whatever. Uh, any anything stand out to you about those games? I feel like that's a pretty fun preseason slate, right? Yeah, I really like the Pelicans matchup. Anytime you could potentially see Zion Williamson play at the United Center in Chicago uh, in what will be one of his first preseason games in the NBA, I think that that's really fun. I don't think you're going to get too much Giannis in that Bucks game in the opener at the United Center, but uh, certainly, you know, Bulls fans will have lots of chances to see them being close by, being in the division. And, uh, you know, the Indiana Pacers back to there's the Thaddeus Young revenge game potential in the preseason. We got the Raptors coming uh, as defending champions. So uh, pretty, pretty fun preseason schedule, I think. I think so as well. As you mentioned, we do have a guest here today, Sean Hyken, who, as you mentioned, he was out in Vegas doing great work for NBC Sports Chicago, covering the Bulls out there, also doing some other stuff just for Bleacher Report and the NBA. Sean, welcome. Do you, what, what thoughts do you have about the Bulls' preseason schedule? Well, first of all, I think the the, the big takeaway from the preseason schedule is I'm glad there's no back-to-backs this time. Yeah, seriously. Because I remember... When I was when I was on the Bulls beat, there would always be, and I and I, I never really understood why they did this because I think the teams actually set their own preseason schedules. It's not a league thing, like that's something I've been told by a couple of league people. But uh, they would always have at least one back to back in the preseason schedule, and I'm just like, what are you doing? I don't understand it. Now, as far as the actual games themselves, uh, you know the the Bucks one will be fun. Like like you said, I don't think Giannis is probably going to play very much. I don't know what Zion Williamson is going to play in the preseason, but uh, 
I, I would imagine the Pelicans, you know, c- considering that he only played one game at summer league and they, uh, have you know since had him withdraw from Team USA? It seems like they're going to be pretty conservative with him, is because I don't think they think he's in great shape yet. So we'll see how training camp goes before we see whether uh, he's actually going to play in that preseason game. But you know that'll be fun. I actually remember like the preseason stuff. You know it's cool to see these preseason games, but I remember what, like a couple of years ago when I was on the Bulls beat, Alvin Gentry, the, the Pelicans were in Chicago for a preseason game, and Alvin Gentry literally told us reporters like he did his pre-game media availability and then he was just kind of chatting with us afterwards he told us that he likes to use the preseason as a way for if a player is playing in their hometown or near their hometown or they're going to have a lot of family and at, at the game and friends he tries to give them a lot of playing time so that's how seriously a lot of these people take preseason <laughs> yeah seriously you, something you did mention about zion williamson and the team usa thing uh team usa apparently a complete disaster i know zion wasn't on the the, the initial 20-man roster, he was on the select team, but basically everybody's been dropping out uh, lately. We had Anthony Davis, James Harden, Bradley Beal, CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, Eric Gordon, I think Tobias Harris as well. So all these dropouts have led to the Bulls' own Thaddeus Young getting a spot on this, or at least getting an invite. I'm not sure if it's been confirmed that he's actually accepted the invitation, but I know Sh- Sham said that he has been inv- at least invited to the Team USA training camp. That's ahead of the FIBA World Cup that's happening. Uh, the training camp's in early August. The FIBA World Cup starts in the middle of August. Uh, Thaddeus Young getting a spot. I mean, I think that's kind of a fun thing. Like, if he goes, like, I know, like, a lot a lot of uh, these guys use Team USA to, like, build relationships, do some recruiting. I don't know if there's anybody that many guys worth recruiting there at this point or even available. But well, I still think it's pretty fun that Thad Young has been invited to this. I feel like that kind of reflects well on the Bulls. Uh, he was basically their top target in free agency. They got him on right with pregnancy open so the fact that they usa basketball identified him as uh as one of the top as one of their main fill-in guys to invite to the camp i thought that thought that was pretty fun yeah well so we actually as media got to speak to thad young right after the signing became official in las vegas they had him out there for summer league and the guy that came to mind so much just from talking to him was a guy that Bulls fans know and love, and that's Taj Gibson. Just based on like the way he was talking about wanting to set the culture in the locker room and wanting to teach these young guys how to play hard and do the dirty work and just come in with the same mentality every day. And just he seems like, you know, however you may feel about, you know, I'm sure there was some criticism of, oh, they signed another forward who's going to come off the bench, and that was their big move in free agency. He just came off to me like the exact kind of guy that a young rebuilding Bulls team that's hoping to make that next step to get back into playoff contention this year should want to have in their locker room. And on on top of the fact that he's still a pretty good player who will be able to help them on the court. And I think it also just speaks well to him, like you said, that he's a guy that, you know, after all these big names started pulling out, USA Basketball started, you know, looked at him and was like, hey, this is a guy that we think would be a positive guy to have on this team, whether he actually ends up playing in China at the FIBA tournament or not. But I think that definitely speaks well of, the job that the Bulls did kind of identifying him as the type of guy that they should want to go after. Yeah, I'm looking at the roster here right now that USA Basketball does have committed. After all the deflections, I'm seeing a ton of big men. Uh, Just to run down the list, Andre Drummond, Kevin Love, Miles Turner, Kuzma's basically a four, Brooke Lopez, Paul Millsap, uh you know, Julius Randle, then Thad Young, PJ Tucker's mostly a four. So I don't actually expect Thad Young to make this team just because they do have so many bigs. 
I'm curious why they aren't taking more guards. A name like Devin Booker should be on this list, unless I miss that he turned them down. And even Zach Levine. Now, perhaps those guys aren't in their long-term planning of like possible guys they could have at the Olympics. And so because of that, they think they'll attract more star power for Tokyo. Uh, they mostly just want to get like good program guys more so than uh, you know, younger guys who could potentially develop into Olympians that they don't think will reach that level. But I do think it's interesting how many bigs they have on this team right now. Yeah, honestly, when all these guys were pulling out, I kind of thought Zach might get a look, and I didn't even realize Booker hadn't been asked either. I saw some random Arizona like Twitter account claim that Booker had been asked and had declined like quietly earlier. I have no idea how true that is. Uh, because those guys seem like they would have made sense when you're losing guys like Dame, CJ, Harden, they're basically losing most of their star guards outside of Kemba and Donovan Mitchell are both going to play. I so, so I thought Zach was maybe going to get a look as well. Either way, uh, I, I also agree that I don't think Thad's going to actually make the team. I still think just in general that it's a cool little honor for him at 31 years old. He's been in the league for a long time. He's clearly, I think, really well-liked. I know, Sean, you mentioned the stu- just the quotes he had about building the culture, change- establishing culture, identity, all that stuff with the Bulls. I really liked all that and just – even after after the Bulls made the move to sign him, and just I think Kevin Pritchard was on Twitter just lauding him, and a lot of guys just really seemed to like him. I I feel like a lot anyone want to criticize the Bulls for making that signing? I feel like it's, it's kind of just rubbish. He just he does really seem like a guy that the Bulls really need. He'll he'll play a ton of minutes as that third big man, and they just needed that type of guy, the type of presence in their locker room, just the toughness, the leadership, the work ethic. And I just really hope that yeah he rubs off on the Bull, on all all the Bulls young guys. Right, and that, and he's the kind of guy where he, it's exactly the type of guy that John Paxson said yep. at his end of season press conference that we want pros, we want guys with the right mentality that are going to be able to set the culture in this rebuild. And it seems like he's exactly the kind of guy that uh, Paxson was thinking about when he made those comments. And I've actually heard similar things about Tomas Sadoransky and kind of the mentality that he brings also from his time in Washington. I've talked to a few Wizards people, talked to a few other beat writers. They all kind of said the same things about how well liked Sadoransky was in the locker room and you know how hard he works and it seems like they've kind of did a, they did they did a good job and obviously the, you know the bulls didn't sign any flashy names this off season and so I, there's going to be a certain sect of the fan base that's going to look at this yeah. off season and say hey you know what are they building towards but you have to be respectable at a certain point and the bulls are bringing in guys that I don't know if I can really come out here and say I think the bulls are a playoff team but based on like Thad Young and Sadoransky and the guys they've brought in they're going to be respectable. They're going to, they have guys who are competitors. They have guys who are high level NBA starters, whether they're not their stars or not. Uh, and I mean, I think as long as they stay healthy, they're going to win a lot more than 22 games this year. I would certainly hope so. One other smaller move that they just recently made as they're rounding out the roster. Uh, they brought back Shaquille Harrison on a one-year deal. I believe it's non-guaranteed that he had been on a non-guaranteed deal. Uh, him and Walter Lemon Jr., they were both waived those non-guaranteed deals during Summer League, but they brought Shaq back on another non-guaranteed deal. I think they had to waive Shaq because of uh, just they needed the cap space. Now they brought him back. Uh, another guy, uh, uh, Jim or John Paxson, Jim Boylan, big fans of his, just the, uh, the way he hustles, the way he works hard. Uh, we saw him last year. He, I feel like he earned a spot on this roster this season. Uh, I thought maybe they were going to have to decide between Shaq and Arch Giacchino, but Shaq, I think he opened a lot of eyes last year. He's obviously not a great player. He's a terrible shooter. I don't know if he's ever going to be a good shooter, but the way he does, he hustles on every play. He's a he's a dog defensively, as some of these guys like to say. He's always hounding guys up to the final uh, the final buzzer. 
So I, the, a back end uh, on a minimum deal, I believe they do have 16 guys now. I think they have 15 guaranteed contracts, 16 if you include Shaq. I would assume a guy like Antonio Blakeney might not be long for this roster if they don't find a Chris Dunn trade. And it, right now it seems like any Chris Dunn trades just really are kind of dead. Uh, so what, what do you guys think about bringing back Shaq Harrison? What do you think his role will be on this team moving forward? Ricky, you can go first. Yeah, just looking at some of Shaq Harrison's defensive stats from last year, it was pretty remarkable just how disruptive he was in limited minutes. Mark Stratman, who works for NBC Sports Chicago in particular, was tracking this uh, throughout the year. He had a couple stats that I'm seeing right here. Uh, he Shaq finished with 89 steals and 30 blocks in less than 1,500 minutes. He's one of only three guys to do that since 1988. Uh, Shaq Harrison, also one of the league leaders in loose balls recovered. Uh, He's someone who, while being the size of a point guard, can defend, uh, you know, twos, even threes because of his defensive intensity and his ball pressure. Uh, And I think that, you know, a lot of Bulls fans, at least in our circle, kind of like the idea of them bringing back Nawaba. I think that while Shaq Harrison uh, isn't, you know, as big or as long as Nuaba, who has a seven foot wingspan. I think he does give you a similar skill set in terms of a young veteran who is a really disruptive defender who can guard multiple positions. Uh, I don't really think he's going to be playing much point guard, even though he's listed as a point guard. The Bulls, as long as they have Chris Dunn, have way too many point guards on this roster. I think that Shaq Harrison is mostly going to be viewed as an undersized wing, at least in terms of his responsibilities on both ends of the floor. So uh, I, I didn't mind bringing him back. I, I would have preferred Nawaba, but uh, I think that, you know, Harrison earned his earned his contract after last year. He was a really, really solid defender. Yeah, I think Nawaba, not Nawaba, Harrison has definitely shown that he belongs on an NBA roster. I didn't realize, wh- you know, whether it was going to be with the Bulls or not just because of the roster crunch and because of how many guards they have. And sometimes you just don't have enough spots to fit everybody. I can tell you that Jim Boylan loves him and, we, you know, we asked Jim Boylan about him uh, when he spoke to reporters in Vegas and he was talking, you know, he kind of used all the all the Jim Boylan buzzwords. He talked about his grit, his toughness, his soul. Uh, the, you know, he, he's definitely a bulls across the chest type of player. You know, there's obviously the shooting concerns that are probably never going to make him into a starter or a consistent rotation player. But I think he's the guy that makes a lot of sense to have on your roster in terms of getting, you know, soaking up some of those guard minutes as far as how they'll actually be able to fit him onto the roster unless they're planning on waving Antonio Blakeney, which I think makes the most sense. Cause I just don't know how much sense Blakeney makes on the roster. That's probably the way they would go about it if they really wanted to keep Harrison. But I feel like they wouldn't have re-signed him after they waived him. If they didn't at least somewhat plan on giving him a chance to make the roster, because I think he's shown enough between this past season and how well he played at summer league that he should get a shot on an NBA team somewhere and so I think if they had thought that he wasn't going to be able to make the roster just due to the crunch of how many minutes or, or how many rotation spots were available, they probably would have worked with his agent and said, okay, you know, we really like you, but if you can get an opportunity somewhere else where you actually will have a better chance of making the roster, you should go ahead and do that. So I think if they brought him in, that means he probably has a pretty good chance of making the roster, which makes me think unless they can find a Chris Dunn deal somehow, which I don't see happening at this point, that Antonio Blakeney is probably going to end up being the odd man out. Yeah, that was. I was going to ask you about Chris Dunn next. Like, I mean, it, I was just reading Darnell's one his column about the the uh, the team's weakness on the wing. Uh, we can get into column later about uh, Valentine and Hudson, but 
and he had mentioned in there about how Chris Dunn trades, how they're, they're looking, they're trying. It just doesn't really seem like there's anything there. There was the report from KC about uh, them talking with the Grizzlies about Justin Holiday, but the Grizzlies then got Tyus Jones and then the Justin Holiday to sign with the Pacers to play with his brother, Aaron Holiday. Like, I mean, do you, would you guess now that Chris Dunn's going to be on this roster opening day? And I guess, what do you think, do you think he'll start? Do you think he'll be like a backup, just like a swing backup one combo guard? Like what do you, Sean, what do you make make of Chris Dunn's future right now with this Bulls team? At this point, I'm pretty sure he is going to end up on the roster unless some team comes through and offers even like, I think even like a second round pick they would gladly take at this point as far as getting something in return for him, because whatever they say publicly to the contrary, uh, obviously you know, both on draft night and at this end of season presser and on lottery night, John Paxson said that uh, they aren't giving up on Chris Dunn and they still see him as a part of the future. But then you look at what they did this off season, three of their main moves. They draft a point guard with the number seven overall pick. They sign another point guard on the first day of free agency for $10 million a year. And then they re-sign their other backup point guard. So, you know, they made major roster moves to commit to three other point guards. That shows me that I think they're pretty much moved on from Chris Dunn, but I just don't know where the deal is for him. You know, you look around the league teams don't really have cap space to just absorb him. I can't really think of another team that is going to look at Chris Dunn and say, Hey, we want to give up a draft pick or we want to give up another useful player for him. So I think he is going to end up, on the Bulls roster on opening night. Now, how he shakes out in the rotation, that part I don't know. I don't think he's going to start because I think that they gave Tomas Sadoransky $10 million a year. I think they view him as the starter. I would be shocked if Sadoransky wasn't the starter on day one. And then from there, you know, maybe he'll beat out Kobe White in the rotation as far as getting those backup minutes. Maybe he'll see some time at the backup too, but he's not really a shooter, so that's kind of problematic. I don't really know where he fits in, but they kind of have to find a way to fit him in because if he's completely out of the rotation, then what's that going to do to his trade value even during the season? Like, would they even be able to get something for him at the deadline? Yeah, I think that there's not a ton of downside to just cutting your losses with him uh, after this year if it's still not working out, if you give it one more season, uh, assuming they can't find a trade partner at this point. So I do think there's a role for him, though, uh, on this team if they keep him, and to me, that's initiating the offense when Zach Levine's on the bench. They just don't have a lot of creators on this team. And Chris Dunn wasn't a good fit in the starting lineup because he never fashioned himself as the fifth option. When Dunn was on the floor with the starters, I mean, you want Lowry getting more shots than him. You want Levine getting more shots than him. You want Porter getting more shots than him. You want Carter getting more shots than him. But Chris Dunn never really programmed himself to be that type of guy. He still sees himself as an alpha. But, you know, to have a young point guard like him who's already been in your system for a few years, you're kind of playing with house money at this point. You don't have a ton to lose, in my opinion, given the fact that his value is so low. If you're really going for the playoffs, I'm not totally opposed to just keeping him, letting this year play out, and letting him have a backup role on the bench as your creator, someone who actually can manufacture a little bit of offense, who can run a pick and roll, who can score out of isolations. I think there is some value in that. And uh, I think a lot of Bulls fans have just been waiting for the day that Chris Dunn's gone. At this point, you know, until they find another team that's willing to give them some sort of asset for him, I don't think that him being moved is imminent. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that he's still on the roster. I guess one of the big things is just, I guess, will he embrace uh, the like a backup role? Like if he's going to be going into a contract year uh, and if he's not, and if his usage is going to be down, he's playing off the bench. Like I'm curious, like, if he's, is he going to cause a stink? I would hope not. I would hope that he recognizes like, 
he needs to embrace whatever role he's getting to get another contract next year. So I'll be curious to watch. I do agree. Like I've been a big Chris Dunn hater. I, I hate him just mostly as a starter. If he can play a winning role off the bench, totally fine with him. Uh, before we move on and talk more about summer leagues and Sean was out there and get more of his insights on that, uh, let's do uh, let's take a word from our sponsors. Summertime is pool time. All pool owners know the hardest thing about owning a pool is keeping the water safe. Testing your pool water is easy, but figuring out what to put in it can be a pain. Sutro has solved the problem. Sutro's free pool chemical calculator takes the hassle out of treating your pool. Our simple text-based interface allows you to test, text, and then treat your pool. Go to mysutro.com slash bluewire to sign up for Sutro's free pool calculator. If you own a pool or have friends or family who do, tell them about Sutro. It's simple, safe, and convenient way to keep your pool water safe. Take the guesswork out of pool work with Sutro. That's S-U-T-R-O. Sign up for free at mysutro.com slash bluewire. Look at world's tech leaders and high-growth startup CEOs. I bet you wonder how in the world they have that kind of exhaustible energy to do what they do. The answer will surprise you. The latest trend with top tech leaders is sleep optimization. While most Americans are not getting the sleep they need, don't I know it, tech founders and CEOs are optimizing their sleep to perform at peak level every day. So the first step, it's the pod by 8sleep. It's the ultimate sleep machine. The pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to help you achieve peak mind and body performance. Are you looking to sleep deeper? The pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night. Do you want your do you want to know your sleep intel? The pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology. Do you want to sleep better? Enjoy personalized programs and coaching designed by experts guiding you towards true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, the better you everything. Try the pod for 100 nights and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup only at 8sleep.com slash bluewire. They already sold out of their first two batches, so they're going fast. So for a limited time only, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash bluewire. That's E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash bluewire. All right, and we're back. So let's talk a bit more about Vegas. Ricky, I know you and I have talked plenty, Kobe White, but Sean was out there. He was watching the Bulls up close. We'll talk about Kobe White and other guys. So, Sean, Kobe White was obviously a bit up and down out in Vegas. Uh, he showed some good things, the speed, some of the playmaking, some of the vision. I thought he was okay defensively, but the shooting was absolutely terrible. He shot something that was like 10% from three. Three for three, uh, like, yeah. Yeah, so like 33, under 33%, 34% overall. So, I guess just overall, just you're just general – uh, observations about him. Were, I don't know if you were able to were you able to talk to him at all. Just just kind of what you thought about Kobe White out in Vegas. Well, I don't think they were really concerned about the shooting very much, just because I think they just kind of figured, you know, he's just still kind of getting his sea legs. He's still adjusting from the college three point line to the NBA three point line. They think those shots are going to fall eventually. So that's something I don't think there's a lot of concern about as far as the shooting. But I actually overall I really liked a lot of what he was doing as far as pushing the pace, as far as the way he sees the floor, as far as he was making plays in particular with Daniel Gafford His the first play of the first summer league game was an alley-oop from uh, Kobe white to Daniel Gafford. And they kind of developed a connection throughout the rest of the summer league games as they played together. And 
I just, I mean, you, you saw some signs, obviously he's a, he's a project. And I kind of, I know that Ricky kind of had this, uh, this whole blow up recently when he was on the podcast with our buddy, Mark Shanowski, who, uh, about whether Kobe, Kobe white is going to play, you know, more developmental minutes and maybe spend some time in the G league, or if he's going to actually play heavy minutes with the bulls right away, I kind of tend to lean more towards where Ricky is. Cause I think he's still a very raw prospect and he's still kind of in, in the developmental stages of his career, you know, being, being so young and, you know, only having the one year in college and all that, but he, he showed some things. I think there's, I think there are things you can look at as far as his playmaking and as far as the pace that he plays with, where you can say, okay, I can kind of see what they were going for there. The shooting, I think they think is going to come around and you sort of have to give it the benefit of the doubt at this point. Uh, yeah, totally. I mean, three of 30, I was like ridiculously bad. And like something we talked about, was, I mean, just the fact that his big role, some of the shots he was taking were ugly. I know in college, he kind of struggled with his off the dribble three point shooting as well. Uh, was there anything else that you, you mentioned that you liked the pace, uh, the playmaking was, was there anything else that you saw that you weren't so sure about that you thought that's something that he really needs to work on? Well, he did turn the ball over a lot too. I don't know how much of that is just kind of nerves from playing your first. I don't want to say his first NBA game, whenever people call summer league stuff, uh, somebody's NBA debut, like it's not, but you're still playing against a higher level of competition than you were playing against in college. So I don't know how much of the turnover stuff was that, or the teammates that he was playing with. But the turnover stuff is a little bit of a concern, and that's something that if he's going to be on playing real minutes on a team that has aspirations of making the playoffs, is something he's going to have to get under control. But that's all rookie stuff. That's just kind of stuff that, unless you're like Damian Lillard or Chris Paul or you know one of these rookie point guards that is just comes in out of the gate and is just immediately playing at such a high level, those are such anomalies that you know rookie point guards kind of always struggle with that kind of stuff. Uh, Sean, did anyone else on the Bulls summer league roster impress you, Gafford? Uh, earned some praise around the NBA. Adam Makoka, is that how I pronounce that? They're yeah, two-way guy. He looked a little bit intriguing. So just other impressions of the Bulls Summer League guys. Well, Makoka is actually kind of interesting to me. I don't know where his shot is at, and that, that maybe is a little bit of a concern with him, but he looked like he's going to be able to defend NBA players, and I don't know how many minutes he's going to get, but a couple of Bulls people I talked to gave me the sense that he was pretty high on their board and that if Daniel Gafford hadn't been on the board at 38, they might've actually looked at taking Makoka with that pick, or at least he would have been one of their options in that spot. So that's kind of how high they are on him. I know he's a guy that, you know, Gar Foreman, uh, the, the general manager who does a lot of the international scouting for them. He saw him at one of the tournaments in Europe uh, basically for a whole week and came away really impressed. That's something that I heard about Makoka. So that's a guy that they're pretty high on. I thought he looked kind of interesting. Gafford, I like a lot as far as what his role is going to be in the league. Everybody kind of knows exactly what he is as a player. He's kind of a very low ceiling, high floor type of guy in terms of he's a rim runner. He can block shots. He can finish dunks around the rim. He doesn't really have much of a shooting range, but he kind of knows what he is as a player. He plays within himself. And I think there's a role for guys like that in the league. I don't know how much time he's going to get right away. And the fact that they brought in Luke Cornett is kind of their other big free agent acquisition and he's kind of a much different look as far as a five who can shoot from the outside which is not really Gafford's game it kind of allows him to have different looks but I think that Gafford is probably going to spend a lot of time at, at Hoffman Estates at least for uh, the first part of his rookie season yeah that makes perfect sense to me I, I know I said I, I liked what I saw I would kind of think put him ahead of Felicia already we'll see I guess how he translates translate to the NBA but uh yeah I liked what I saw one guy who I did not like what I saw I've made this point multiple times on previous pods, is Chandler Hudson, real rough. Uh, I know he was coming off the injury from last season, but again, four-year college player. He is slated to play 
uh, an important role off the bench. And this Darnell Mayberry at The Athletic wrote a big column, uh, I believe it was yesterday, talking about how one of the Bulls' big weakness is still their depth on the wing. Because if you look behind Zach Levine, behind Otto Porter Jr., you're looking at Denzel Valentine and Chandler Hudson. And uh, Valentine just missed the full season with his ankle injury, and he's had a bunch of problems. Hutchison really struggled in Vegas. Uh, he shot like under 30%. He, and he talked, he had some quotes where he's, oh, I, I'm feeling really good. You know, I feel like the best I ever have, which, I mean, he's going to say stuff like that. He's not going to be all down on himself. But I guess, Sean, what, what, did, you, what did you make of Chandler Hutchison's time in Vegas? Uh, do you think he can be a guy that the Bulls can rely on uh, this, this next season and moving forward? Well, he better be when you consider what the their other options are on the wing. Otto Porter is obviously going to be the starting small forward, but then the rest of their uh, wing rotation is just kind of bleak. I know that they have a lot of hopes uh, invested in Denzel Valentine to still be a contributor, but he didn't play at all last year because he had reconstructive ankle surgery. And you really can't come in and say, okay, this guy that didn't play at all for the entire previous season, we're just going to be able to pencil him in to play 20, 25 productive minutes a game. So they kind of are going to need Chandler Hutchison, who I think showed some stuff in his rookie season before he had the injury, obviously, that you know kept him out most of the year, or at least the second half of the year, that uh, like he could be a pretty good defender. You know, the shot is pretty hit and miss. I don't know what his role is going to be, but I think they had kind of better hope unless they can bring in another wing that they, they hope he takes another step forward this year. I based on summer league, it didn't seem like it was that encouraging, but again, there's a whole lot of room for, you know, he's still working his way back from this injury where he missed some significant time. So you maybe don't want to read too much into the results at summer league, but they certainly are expecting a lot out of him this year. Uh, are we just totally out on Valentine at this point? I mean, when the guy got drafted, he had these injury issues. He's never been able to pull it, put it all together. I think through what two, three seasons at this point still hasn't been cleared. That was reported this week by the athletic after missing the entire season with that ankle surgery. So the idea to me of the bulls counting on Denzel Valentine to be a key piece of the rotation, uh, I would be pretty close to ready to wipe my hands with him at this point. Well, right, and but here's here's the thing. He did in his second season. He showed some steps forward from his rookie year. He, I think, you know, there were, there, you know, he was pretty productive when he was on the floor the year before. It's just when a guy literally has not played an entire season, and then before that had injury issues, like you said, coming out of the draft when he was playing for Michigan State. But then also his throughout his first two seasons when he was on the court, he had some injury problems. Are you going to suddenly turn around and say, yeah, you know, this guy who's had injury problems his whole career and 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 it just missed an entire season? Yeah, you know, we think he's going to stay healthy the whole next season. Like, it would be great for the Bulls if that happened. That's something that they're hoping will happen. They still believe in his talent. But I'd say just if you're weighing the scenarios, it's more likely than not that, you know, he is going to continue to deal with injury problems. And so you can't really, I mean... They should view him as a luxury at this point. If he is able to stay healthy and gives them something, that's great. And that's something that they should celebrate. But just based on his history, and again, this can't be stressed enough, he literally just missed an entire season having reconstructive ankle surgery. So it's more likely than not that he does continue to deal with these injury problems and isn't able to stay on the floor consistently. And I think the Bulls have to work that into whatever their projections are or whatever their other plans are. And I just don't think they have enough other depth on the wing to really compensate for it. Yeah, I like to give Denzel a hard time because I feel like he's had some goofy quotes, just like very high on himself, which a lot of these guys are. They're very confident. But uh, yeah, when you he's had the red flags coming into the league. He's had surgery literally every se- like after every season or during 
or before this past season ever. I mean, I just don't know how you can't rely on a guy who's literally had surgery each of the last three seasons, had issues going back to college and might've even before that, like he definitely was better. Like he's an NBA when he's healthy, he's an NBA player. He's a solid three point shooter, good ball handler, decent rebounder for his position, not the best defender, but he's at least maybe like an eighth or ninth man. Can the bulls rely on that with his health problems? I would think not. Um, I guess to wrap it up here, Sean, does any good bull stories from Vegas? Uh, you, you wrote a really fun story as well, about how Vegas is kind of the comic, the comic con of the NBA with all like the fun jerseys and just the fans as well. Just tell us any, any good stories that you had uh, from Las Vegas. Well, the night of the Paul George Kawhi stuff was oh, yeah. just wild. Crazy. Because so, so that night there was, it was the first night it was July 5th. Uh, and, the you know the second to last game that night was the Pelicans and the Knicks, which was obviously Zion Williamson versus R.J. Barrett, both kind of making their summer league debuts. I did not see any of that game because the Bulls game was the game directly before that one, and so I was kind of you know obviously since I was covering the Bulls for NBC Sports Chicago, and that's why I was out there. I was watching the Bulls game, and then after the game, we were kind of in the back tunnel getting quotes and talking to different players, and so then after that. Like, I just decided, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to see anything out, you know, with the Zion game because the arena was just so packed and it was just such a madhouse. I was just like, you know what, I'll just I'm just going to punt on this. So, I, you know, after we finished getting quotes from Bulls guys and, you know, doing all that, you know, the postgame availability stuff, I went back to the media room to write. And uh, I, you know, I got done writing, I think, around 10 p.m. And by the way, that night was the earthquake. And so I was sitting on one of the couches in the media room and the couch I was sitting on while I was writing started shaking. And we were all just kind of looking around each other going like, Hey, what's going on? Like, like, like this, this is insane. And then of course, eventually they end up just kind of calling the rest of the night. They, you know, they, they didn't finish the Pelicans Knicks game. And then the, the, whatever the last game of of the night ended up just canceling straight up. And so, uh, that was kind of a weird night in and of itself. And so I got done writing and I decide, you know what? I'm not going to really like go out or, you know, hang out with people tonight. I'm just, I was, I had gotten in, my flight had gotten in the night before I was still kind of tired. I knew that I had a long week ahead of me in Vegas. So I'm going to just kind of, you know, get some food and go back to my hotel. And so I get some food. I, 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 I'm staying at the hard rock, which is within walking distance from uh, the arena. So I'm walking back to my hotel. I stop at the sandwich shop called Capriotti's that I always go to a lot whenever I'm in Vegas. I order a sandwich. I sit down with my sandwich. This is like around 11 p.m. I look at my phone and it, suddenly I, I just get the notification. Oh, Kawhi Leonard decides he's going to sign with the Clippers. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. And then five minutes later, Woj, the Woj notification comes through. The Clippers have traded for Paul George. It's like, what? And then the next day I get to the arena at like noon and everybody is just looking at each other like, what on earth just happened last night? Yeah, that was insane. What so? I guess just what what do you make of that and just the league in general right now? With the I guess want to call it parody now that the, that those moves were made and the kind of the other, some of the other team ups that there have been and some of the other movement around the league. I, do you think this is good for the league? Like, do you think the league is in a good place? I know today that came out that uh, the league, some of the owners are not happy about some of the stuff that's been going on with the player movement with possible tampering. I guess what do you make of just the, the the health of the league right now with all this player movement and with uh, just kind of all the parody, quote unquote parody. Well, I don't know how much they're going to be able to do about 
the tampering right. stuff, unless they literally want to tap every team executive and agent's phones to make sure nobody's talking to anybody before June 30th. Here's the thing. I, th- I think, I think the league has, I think the league and the teams have less of a problem with deals getting done at six Oh one than they do with, you know, teams and players trying to recruit guys during the season, because like a team gets eliminated from the playoffs in April. Like, at that point, the players are just kind of sitting at home and the team executives are just kind of getting ready for the draft and getting ready for free agency. I don't think anybody is really offended that, you know, Thad Young, Agent, and the Bulls were having discussions in mid-June about a free agent deal, like, because the Pacers weren't still playing and the Bulls were, you know, just sitting at home because they didn't make the playoffs. Like, no, like nobody's really offended by that. Nobody cares. I think the stuff that teams have more of a problem with was, like, the Clippers spending the entire season sending a scout or sending Lawrence Frank or sending whoever to every Raptors game and being very visible there to show that they were trying to recruit Kawhi Leonard, the stuff during the season or, you know, the way that Anthony Davis handled his whole trade request to the Lakers and basically submarine the Pelicans entire season. I think that is the stuff that the league has more of a problem with than just, Oh, these guys signed at six Oh one, but they had been negotiating those deals for the last two weeks of June when all those guys hadn't really been playing anyway. Like that, I don't think that really is hurting anybody for that kind of stuff. Now, as far as do I think this is good for the league? I think it's great for the league. Like I've never been more excited for a season just going into the year because I have literally no idea what the hell is going to happen. Like the last three or four years, especially ever since Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, we've all kind of gone into it like, yeah, this team could be fun. This team could be fun. But everybody just knows the Warriors are going to win the title at the end of the uh, the season. That's completely out the window now because the Warriors, not only do they lose Kevin Durant, but Klay Thompson is probably not going to play for most of the year. So you aren't really looking at the Warriors as just kind of this inevitable thing. But even besides them, there are like six teams in the West, whether it's both of the LA teams, Denver is still going to be right there. Utah got a lot better getting Mike Conley and Bojan Bogdanovic. The Russ uh, Harden thing in Houston is going to be interesting. Portland just made the conference finals. They're still going to be right there. And then in the East, you've still got Milwaukee. You've still got Philly. You know, you have to think Brooklyn is going to be better next year with Kyrie, even though Kevin Durant is going to play the whole year. They're like, there's just like, nine or 10 different teams around the league that you can legitimately say these teams can talk themselves into thinking they have a shot at winning the title. And so it's just so wide open. I've never seen it this wide open. It's not even wide open in the sense that there's a whole bunch of mediocre teams that are all the same level. There's a lot of really good teams and a lot of talent just spread out over the league in terms of really high level guys that are on different teams. Like I can't think of a time when I've been more excited for the season to begin. Yeah, I totally agree. Super exciting. Uh, just it, yeah, just there's so much. T- it's just nice to have the talent. Let's like, just kind of balance out instead of super teams. We just kind of have a lot of these dynamic duos and all that stuff. And there's a lot of fun young guys out there as well. Before we let you go, I did mention uh, a shout out again to your Bleacher Report column. It is uh, you wrote this. It was like last week, titled uh, was, I think it was the Comic Con of the NBA inside the retro jersey culture of summer league. Uh, what was your favorite jersey that you saw at Summer League? This year, it was probably, and I really regret that I didn't really get to get a picture of this guy or get to talk to him, but I saw an uh, Earl Boykin's Nuggets jersey. Oh, wow. <laughs> which I thought was pretty good. And then I saw, I also saw a Landry Fields Knicks jersey, and the guy that he was with had a Marcus Camby on. And, and so it's always kind of, you know, fun to see those. I, but I've been doing this jersey watching thing. If you follow, have been following my Twitter account the last few Julys while I've been out in Vegas, I've kind of always been uh, taking these pictures of these uh, obscure jerseys that I see. But nothing will ever top the first time I was ever at Summer League in 2012. 
I, uh, you know, we were, we were kind of, I was kind of watching and I like from the front, I saw a number 19 Phoenix Suns jersey. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's a Rajah Bell. That's like a little bit of a deep cut from the seven seconds or less. Like most people just have a Nash or an Amari or whoever. But then he turned around and it was a Hito Turkaloo. Because remember, Hito Turkaloo spent like half of one Ooh. season uh, with Phoenix after he signed that contract with Toronto that was kind of a disaster before he got traded back to Orlando. It was like, oh, cool. Somebody bought a Hito Turkaloo Suns jersey just off of that half season that he played there. So you always kind of see the, you know, the really weird stuff come out at Summer League. I love the Jorge Gar- Garbajosa jersey in that, and that was really <laughs> tremendous work in general, Sean. I really enjoyed it. Shockingly, that wasn't Tass Mellis. Oh, yeah, jeez. Oh, my God. Um... Ricky, you got anything else for Sean? I think that about sums it up. Uh, I was going to ask Sean if he thinks the Bulls are going to make the playoffs, but I'm not sure if I really want to put him on the spot here. Maybe we can... You can put me on the spot. All right. Do you think they're going to make the playoffs, Sean? I am going to say no, but I can see a world where they do. Like, I think they're going to be in that... Because really, when you look at the the East, it's like, okay, obviously, the, the top of the conference is... Milwaukee, Philly, Brooklyn, Boston, Indy in some order. I think Miami is going to be there now because as we kind of have seen, Jimmy Butler has the ability to drag, you know, mediocre collections of talent to the playoffs. So I think Miami is going to be in there. So that's six spots right there. I don't feel confident enough in this Bulls group because I need to see how they play to say I can for sure see them in it. But I think they could be better than Detroit. I think they could be better than Orlando. I think they could be better than some of these other teams that are going to be fighting for the six, seven, eight, nine type of spots. And especially when you see like a lot of the worst teams in the league, you know, aside from like Phoenix and Memphis, a lot of the worst teams in the league are in the East because you're talking about Washington, you know, now that, you know, John Wall is probably not going to play at all next year. And they basically just have Bradley Beal and nobody else. Charlotte, now that they lost Kemba Walker, the Knicks are still going to be really bad. Uh, The Cavs, I think, are still going to be really bad, especially if they decide to trade Kevin Love at some point. Like, there's the bottom of the East, I think, is bad enough that it's going to push some of those middling teams up a little bit higher than they should be. And that's going to be the Chicago, uh, Detroit, Orlando sort of tier. And I think the Bulls are in that group. If they can stay healthy, I think they have a shot at making the playoffs. I'm going to say it's more likely than not that they don't. But if you told me that they made the playoffs as a seven or eight seed, I wouldn't think that was insane. I am really excited to just get like earnestly jacked up for a race for the eight seed in the East. Like, why not? I'm leaning in this year, right? We haven't had basketball with any sort of stakes the last few years, I would love to look up. I should have had this prepared. What the Magic's Vegas over under was coming into last season, because this year the Bulls are at thirty point five. Last year the Magic were getting no postseason buzz coming into the year. They end up getting that eight seed in part because I think Steve Clifford, a pretty damn good coach, and Jim Boylan in a lot of ways is cut from the same cloth that Clifford is. Old school guy, defense first background. Uh, so for as hard as I was on Boylan last year, I think he had the worst start to any coaching tenure in NBA history. I challenged him to a push-up contest for his job <laughs> on this podcast. I said he never should have coached another NBA game. But every time Boylan opens his mouth lately, I find him a little bit endearing, and I'm definitely willing to give him this year to prove me wrong, to make me look stupid. God knows it's happened enough times over the last few years, that's just the price of being in the takes economy. You got a lot of takes. Some of them are going to be wrong. Prove me wrong, Jim Boylan. Like, let's see the Bulls get that eight seed. I think it's good for media people like us to publicly apply that pressure, to to put some sort of stakes on the Bulls. 
to get into the postseason. And if they don't, because of the lottery reform, they're also going to have at least, you know, whatever, a 20% chance like the Lakers did last year of jumping up into the top four uh, in the draft lottery. So uh, that's kind of where my mindset is at as a fan coming into the season. Ricky, just waving those Jim Boyle and pom poms. I'm here for it. Are the, you on? The, the, is, 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 is this is this C Red Ricky right now? Are you going to jump on the big red Leviathan with with our homie C Red Fred? You know, people keep saying that, and it makes me so mad. Like my blood is like curdling as I'm like doing interviews on the score and on TV when I'm trying to be complimentary of the Bulls. But the fact of the matter is, if you're going to trash them when they screw up, as they have been. Uh, totally for the last few years. You got to credit them when they do things right. I really love their free agent signings this year. So let's see them do it. I'm more in like a wait and see mode than anything else. But for sure, uh, you know, the fact that we even have the thought of playoff basketball hanging over our heads coming into this season, it's exciting. Now, I don't know how they take the next step from there. To me, like, you know, John Paxson and Gar Foreman should spend the next two years just identifying the star that they want identifying another star that they want and then finding a way to get them in town uh, because that's the only way they're really going to compete at like the upper echelon of the league. But uh, you know, you got to crawl before you ball as I wrote on bloggable. So let's see if they can crawl a little bit this year. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Definitely should be way more exciting and yeah, it, it should be a lot of fun. Sean, thank you so much again for joining us. We always love talking to you. Tell us where they the people, the fine people who listen to Cash Considerations, where they can find your work, where they can follow you on Twitter. Well, I mostly do a lot of stuff for Bleacher Report. As we kind of have mentioned, I was covering Vegas Summer League for NBC Sports Chicago, doing a lot of Bulls stuff and uh that stuff is all kind of still up there. I link to all of it on Twitter. If you want to go back in my Twitter account and look through that, my Twitter is at Hiken, which is just my last name, H-I-G-H-K-I-N. Whenever I have something up, I just kind of, I always will tweet that out a few times. So that's kind of the best way to keep up with my work. But other than that, uh, yeah, keep checking me out at Bleach Report and you know, hopefully got some other things in the works for, uh, in the coming months. But uh, it's always good to talk to you guys. Awesome, man. Thanks so much again. Uh, then, so that'll be all for us this week. Uh, shout out as always, Blue Wire Pods. Please go follow us at Blue Wire Blue, at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, we had a big announcement today. Uh, just uh, some some funding for the company. We're doing a lot of great things here. We we keep adding pods. We're trying to bring in a bunch of good people to help help grow the Blue Blue Wire Network. A lot of fun. So many good pods across the network. So go please check all of them out. A lot of different teams, a lot of different sports, and just general stuff with the NBA and other sports as well. So again, shout out to Blue Wire Pods. Uh, and that, that is all for us today. So for Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast, this has been Jason Pat, Ricky O'Donnell, and shout out again to Sean Hyken for joining us. Take it easy, guys. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. 
You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 